Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the fourth day of March 2023. I'm your host, Mark Hall. And since it's certainly been a different kind of week, I guess I'll start off a bit differently, too, even though it may still be a bit chronological. Because for starters, it's not like we haven't been seeing so much evidence of late that the entire world is not only insane, but there are a whole lot of people. As a matter of fact, almost everybody, I would suggest, in positions of power, even if not authority, who's no longer even pretending that they care about the peons, the unwashed masses, the plebes, the slaves out there. Clearly, they want them dead. No, CNN isn't covering it, and no doubt a whole lot of the Kool-Aid drinkers will be dead long before they even figure out what happened. But still, there are some really interesting, if not necessarily encouraging, signs. Contradictions that are so obvious you'd have thought most would have awakened to it before now. But not necessarily the case. Still, though, let's talk about a few of those to kick things off today. Like death in mass in the Ohio River Basin, and just about everything that drains into it or is affected by what drifts down over it, or now, as we find out, is being exported, shipped down into Texas, and pumped into a well in a place called Deer Park. Now, by the time we got to the weekend, they may or may not have quit. Do you trust them? Do you really think they're going to tell the truth this time? At least somebody blew the whistle on them and there was some stink. And I'll contend up front that the real story here isn't just the usual and now expected cover-up of toxic waste and the intent to kill a whole lot of people, although certainly people in Texas are right to be concerned about this latest lie uncovered. It's the fact that eventually, at least if you pull on the threads, the big lie comes apart at the seams. And that's what's going on here. So here's the story, at least part of it, as it came out over the weekend. And as usual, the waste stream has buried the lead. Toxic wastewater, says the AP, used to extinguish that fire that was set deliberately following a train derailment in Ohio, has been transported to Deer Park, a Houston suburb, for disposal, according to a county official in Texas who said, understating the case here quite a bit, there are outstanding questions about the transportation and disposal of the material. Harris County Judge Lena Hidalgo said at a press conference late last week that half a million gallons of this abominate uh, wastewater have been delivered to Deer Park, Texas, where it's being pumped underground into a well by a company called Texas Molecular, which injects hazardous waste into the ground for disposal. And they told KHOU-TV they have experience in managing just this type of thing. I know, said the judge, our community was taken aback by the news, just as I am. But I want folks to know there are many things we don't know that we should know. Oh, don't worry your pretty little heads about it, though. Quote, that doesn't mean something is wrong. And I want to stress that point, unquote. No, folks, something is not only wrong, something is satanically evil and hideously wrong, even though they're not telling you about it. Now, AP isn't about to tell you what the real issue is. By the way, none of the waste stream is telling you about the fact that dioxin is one of the deadliest toxins known to man, and they deliberately produced a whole lot of it with their so-called control burn and shoved it not only to the groundwater, but into the atmosphere where it's drifting over neighboring Pennsylvania and New York and then washing downstream into the entire Mississippi River Valley. But uncertainties remain, they quote the judges saying, even after discussions between the county and officials from the Federal Department of Transportation. Oh, yeah, there's a brilliant set of experts led by Mr. You-know-the-only-reason-I'm-here-himself, Pete Buttesgay, and the EPA, along with the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality and other industry and environment experts, those who haven't died in plane crashes of late, folks. The government officials, it says, have already provided the information they have, but what they're learning is they themselves don't seem to have the full information. <laughs> 
I'm not clear, she continued on, just who has the full picture of what's happening here, and that is a problem. She noted that Harris County has around 10 injection wells capable of receiving this deadly hazardous commercial waste, making the area one of the few places where the materials could be disposed of. But she noted there are other similar facilities in Vickery, Ohio, and Romulus, Michigan, both of which could have handled the wastewater and are closer to the site, but evidently refused to for some reason. Others are asking, hey, do they ship this toxic waste by rail? And while those are actually good questions, folks, the point is they ignore the real, incredibly overwhelming issue. So let's start, for example, here. Do you remember the incredibly idiotic reason that they supposedly decided to poke holes in the derailed tanker cars containing vinyl chloride so that they could then light it off and in the process deliberately turn an environmental disaster into the worst environmental absolute nightmare in North American history by setting off a chemical reaction that turns vinyl chloride into far, far deadlier dioxin, among other things, like phosgene. But hey, I guess that's a piker now in hindsight. Anyway, the brilliant wannabe mass murderers supposedly did this to avoid an explosion. And here's where the contradictions just start to hit you in the face over and over again. These expert toxic waste disposal companies that were already on scene and standing by can pump half a million gallons of contaminated toxic water into tanks and ship them halfway across the country, but they couldn't pump up the vinyl chloride that they had already diffused the danger of explosion from by arguably dumping it onto the ground to begin with. But that's just a big part of the contradiction that reveals the really big lie. Now, to his credit, Mike Adams over the weekend did an emergency update laying out those contradictions and what that means. Yeah, their lips are moving. But what it really shows is that we've now reached the point where the lies are festering so badly that the damage can no longer be swept under the rug or uh, pumped into the well. As Mike Adams noted, the same EPA that just finished telling people, go on home, it's safe, don't worry your pretty little heads about it, has now turned around and, to quote, We have millions of gallons of highly toxic waste that's so toxic we have to hire a hazardous waste disposal company that's licensed to inject it into deep wells in the hopes that this stuff will never reach humanity ever again. That's how safe it is. Yeah, if any of you were wondering, like, how... How dangerous the situation is in East Palestine? There's your answer. It's so dangerous that they're hoping to bury this for thousands of years. There's your answer. And then here, folks, is the point. It's like we're living in a war zone here. We're living in some kind of a chemical war. People in the area, he said, know that the government is lying to them. But they don't know what's safe or what's not. And the EPA still refuses to test for dioxins. So they just test for things that they know they won't find. But it's Mike's summary here of the contradictions, the things that uh, yours surely has been pointing out from day one, but there have been more of them now revealed over the weekend, and they really, folks, are worth paying attention to. But anyway, it's Mike's summary that absolutely, positively nails it, starting with the idiotic claim about why they needed to light this stuff off in the first place rather than let it explode and might hurt somebody, rather than allow it to explode and injure people with shrapnel. Okay, now now pay attention because so they drilled holes in the sides of the tanker cars and they they dumped the liquid out into apparently a ditch and then they set it on fire. And this is the vinyl chloride. They set it on fire. Folks, if they had already dumped it out of the tanker cars, there was no more risk of shrapnel from any explosion blowing up inside the tanker cars. In other words, once they had the liquid out of the tanker cars, there's no more risk of the explosion that they were afraid of, so they didn't have to set it on fire. 
And they could have, from the very beginning, they could have called this company Texas Molecular because, as we now have learned, Texas Molecular has a hazardous waste permit that includes vinyl chloride to inject it underground. So there are so many admissions here. Like, number one, yes, vinyl chloride is a hazardous waste product. Uh, Number two, there are companies that are licensed to dispose of this stuff, which means they didn't have to set it on fire in Ohio and unleash all these dioxins into the air, which is what you get when you set fire to chlorinated compounds, such as you know vinyl chloride and other the, the PVC that was in other cars. It was also on fire, polyvinyl chloride. And, and then we have the question, they put out the fire. Okay, first they set it on fire, and then they put out the fire. And in putting out the fire, they have all this toxic firefighting water waste, which they wouldn't have created if they didn't set it on fire in the first place. Freaking morons. They should have just pumped out the vinyl chloride, sent it to this company, and uh, now I don't agree with them injecting it underground, but they could have incinerated it at very high temperatures, which would destroy the molecule without creating dioxins, by the way. There's a way to do that at extremely high temperatures. But they set it on fire, and then they used 2 million gallons plus of firefighting water to put out the fires? And now that is 2 million gallons of toxic firefighting water that apparently they're loading onto trucks and driving it to Texas. What the F, man? What happens if one of these trucks has an accident on the highway? Well, he says what they should have done, obviously, is... Not set fire to it in the first place. You wouldn't have 2 million gallons of toxic firefighting water. You could have just dealt with the raw material as it was. See, nothing in the response to this makes any sense at all. Nothing adds up unless they're trying to poison everybody. None of this adds up. And if they had two million gallons of water to put out this fire, why didn't they put out the original fire? And yeah, folks, the contradictions just keep on coming. But again, it's the fact that they are backpedaling and sidestepping and lying through their teeth so much to try to prevent Americans from figuring out what we've really known for quite a while. Since at least the Fauci flu and the poison poke that has killed who knows how many millions of people already, even if some of them are still dead men walking, taking their boosters. By the weekend, people were shaking their heads about what we'd known for literally years now, but the DOE finally decided it was time to admit this week, yeah, there just might have been a lab release in Wuhan. I guess they could have added, now, will you quit paying attention to the stuff that we're trying to kill you with lately? The trouble is, there were so many other stories that told the real story, even more than Big Brother finally admitting their lips were moving all along. So here's the first story in that set. Courtesy of Alexandra Bruce, via places like Forbidden Knowledge TV and LewRockwell.com, the CDC has now confirmed what a lot of people had already figured out, that a majority of the fatal, outright fatal, that is, COVID vaccines were knowingly sent to, guess where, Trump-supporting red states. And it includes the latest video by Greg Reese, which notes that last year they published a report entitled Evidence that U.S. Government Targeted Red States with Deadly Batches of the So-Called Vaccine, a story that most so-called news outlets ignored. Private leaked documents, though, from the CDC showed a list of expiry dates, and only certain lots were included. 
And those same lots were found to be highly toxic with Party Cooper's database. And the mode of deployment allowed Big Brother the ability to direct deadly batches into specific populations, i.e. red states, where analysis of the number of deaths per 100,000 poison-poked individuals in all 50 states shows that the overwhelming majority of short-term vaccine deaths happened in the so-called red states. But now an update says we have a more robust and far more damning view of this carefully distributed depopulation scheme. Back in October 2021, the expose published a report on data found in the USA's VAERS, or Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, revealing that 100% of COVID-19 short-term vaccine deaths had been caused by just 5% of the batches, batches that were able to be identified, and they weren't distributed evenly. The top eight states with the highest vaccination death rate included Kentucky, Arkansas, West Virginia, Montana, Alaska, North Dakota, Wyoming, and Tennessee. And guess who they voted for in the last election? while the least affected states were the most communist, like California. In fact, Kentucky had a 1,900% worse short-term vaccination death rate than Democrat-controlled California, suggesting that the Republican red state got about 20 times the amount of deadly batches of COVID-19 vaccine than the far-left communist enclave on the left coast. Likewise, even Florida, number 20 on the list, got about three times the amount of deadly batches than California and has a vaccination death rate that's 200% higher than the CCP partner state. And again, the author notes that these deadly batches should be classified as either rapid kill lots or slow kill lots because now we're seeing all kinds of deaths all across the spectrum. And guess what? As just about everybody's figured out, and the author here notes, People of America are under attack by their own government. We've seen the latest example out of Ohio. And they're not going to quit until they either accomplish their goals or are outright stopped. I guess next I got a couple of more related stories. They all at least seem to impinge on that same idea of the biggest bioweapon deployment in human history. Oh yeah, and let's not forget some of the smokescreen that surrounds it. Like, if you don't want to take the poison poke, no matter what color you are, you're almost certainly racist, racist, racist. Here's one from Jim Hofton, the Gateway Pundit, about a Christian nurse who was suspended from the British NHS certification program after she said the following. And, ooh, this is going to resonate throughout some of the other stories we have today. Being white doesn't make you racist. But, of course, it may well end up making you unemployed. Amy Gallagher said she was harassed and bullied by the woke leftist staff, and that left her with crippling anxiety. Lecturers at NHS in Britain also taught that Christianity is responsible for racism because, quote, it's European. And as a result, Amy Gallagher is now bringing a lawsuit against the Tavistock Trust where she took the so-called course. And at least so far, she's now able to tweet about it. The lawsuit notes that one of Tavistock's seminars was even called, get this, whiteness, a problem for our time and included a description on the trust website that, quote, the problem of racism is a problem of whiteness. When she challenged these controversial views, it says in the class, and they're not controversial, folks, let's be honest here, they're real, outright, in-your-face, undeniable racism. But if you say that, ooh, it's whiteness, and you're a racist. And while that's true in general, it's especially true if, you know, you're the wrong color. She was bullied by staff and suspended from the course pending an investigation into whether or not she's even safe to be allowed to work with patients. But as of yet, and this probably shouldn't surprise anybody paying attention, there has been no such investigation. And, uh, well, guess what that means for her? Her dream of becoming a psychotherapist is hanging by a thread. 
And further, the course lecturer is trying to get her banned from her day job as a practicing mental health nurse. All right, I was going to save this next one for later, but actually it fits in several places, and this will work just as well as any. This comes from several of the far-left so-called news sites like CNN, The WAPO, New York Times, and others. And guess what? There's a common thread here. Newspapers across the country, says CNN, though, have dropped the Dilbert comic strip, one of the most popular comic strips in history, folks, over this last weekend, after the creator of the satirical cartoon went on what they call, oh yeah, a racist, racist, racist tirade. In other words, folks, the kind of thing you can see on leftist TV just about every weekday, but it's just directed at people of a different color, and that makes it okay. And at this point, I'm going to depart from the text from the official Ministry of Truth and tell you first what the guy actually said, which they eventually get around to with some significant editing but long after they tell you what he meant, whether that's really what he meant or not. The move, it says, came after Scott Adams, cartoonist behind Dilbert, effectively encouraged segregation, oh really, in a shocking, at least to them, rant on YouTube. And his comments, listen carefully here, came in response to a poll from the conservative firm, (laughs) it's conservative if they find something that Big Brother and his minions don't like, the Rasmussen reports, which did a poll and found that 53% of black Americans agreed with this statement. It's okay to be white. Think about that for just a second. Actually, a tiny majority of black Americans actually agree with the shocking statement that it's okay to be white. I wonder how many white Americans would agree that it's okay to be black. Folks, this is beyond the pale, pun intended. And I agree, it is a bit surprising that political correctness has gone so far over the top into wacko land that a bare majority of people of any ethnicity would agree that it's barely, it sounds, okay to be of any other ethnicity. Well, no, specifically that it's okay to be white. And I think, really, let's admit it, that probably would be a smaller majority than any other race you could name, certainly so far as the propaganda press is concerned. And on this score, I guess I have to admit, I think I'm with Scott Adams. They call racism anti-racism. Just like the anti-fascists have proven, they're now calling anti-racism racism. The Anti-Defamation League has noted that the phrase emerged on the infamous message board 4chan as a trolling campaign. And OK to be white has a, get this, long history in the white supremacist movement. This from one of the most racist organizations on planet Earth. Uh Uh-oh, can I even say that? In your host's opinion, and that's certainly based on long observation, too. Why, I'd even go so far as to say they're almost as overtly over-the-top racist as the Southern Poverty Law Center. To the point where maybe the only thing that either of them is, more than racist, is communist. Yeah, folks, let's just tell it like it is for a while, while we still have the chance. Here's what Scott Adams actually said. Quote, if nearly half of all blacks are not okay with white people, according to this poll, not according to me, according to this poll, that, he said, is a hate group. This on his Wednesday YouTube show, Real Coffee with Scott Adams. And he added, I don't want anything to do with them. Now, who's he talking about? Yeah, in context, folks, those who don't believe that it's even okay to be white. And he added, I would say, based on the current way things are going, the best advice I would give to white people, he said, is to stay the hell away from, and I do have to bleep some of the next statement, because he said, there is no fixing this. So let me see if I got this straight. He is advising people to stay the blankety-blank away from people who admittedly hate you and don't think it's okay to be whatever it is that you are. 
Honestly, I can't help but think that sounds like fairly sound advice, no matter who it is that hates you and wants you dead, and uh, I guess arguably we're seeing that writ large all across the country nowadays. Ask the people in Ohio and points downwind and downriver who are outright being killed, and all the while they're being lied to. He's since said on Twitter that he has been advising people to avoid hate for a long time, suggesting that the cancellation of his cartoon signals, and gee, who could have imagined such a thing, free speech in America is under assault. And let me say it again. It's not just your free speech. It's your very lives on just about every front you can imagine and guaranteed a whole lot that people can't. So back to the cancel culture, the USA Today Network, which is a big press oligopoly operating hundreds of newspapers, said it's pulled the plug on the long-running comic strip. The WAPO and the Cleveland Plain Dealer also said they would no longer carry the comic. The editor of that rag, Chris Quinn, wrote, this is not a difficult decision. (laughs) I guess for the left folks, censorship really never is. And yeah, it's fair to wonder, did he really even have a decision to make? And when it comes to pushing racism and telling you they're not, that's not a difficult decision for them either. For here's part, and I guess it's at least fair to let Scott Adams speak for himself, he tweeted, Dilbert has been canceled from all newspapers, websites, calendars, and books because I gave some advice everyone agreed with. He noted that my syndication partner canceled me and added that eventually the comic will be available, but only on his subscription site when everything is sorted out. Much like your host, Senator Ron Johnson has expressed some dismay in a letter to the FAA about how they handled, or didn't, pilot health issues associated with the Zyklon B mandate. Quote, how can the FAA maintain safe skies when they turn a blind eye toward pilots experiencing COVID-19 vaccine injuries, he said in an email sent exclusively to the Epoch Times last week. Is it willful ignorance that the FAA is aware of only four active pilots experiencing adverse effects connected to the COVID-19 vaccine? The American people, he said, are not getting the full transparency and honesty from federal agencies that they deserve, unquote, and I'll try to suppress a laugh. These remarks were made in response to how Susan Northrup, the FAA's federal air surgeon, answered eight questions surrounding pilot health. And in his 27 January letter to the FAA, Johnson provided specific information about five named pilots with suspected COVID-19 vaccine ill effects. One of them died 17 days after being vaccinated. There are many other such reports in VAERS, as the Epoch Times has previously reported. And a quick aside here, folks, that means there's between 10 and probably closer to 100 times as many pilots actually suffering problems as do get reported, and we all know it. And Johnson says he wants to know just what steps the FAA has taken or planned to take to, uh, are you sitting down, investigate what should be a fairly obvious pattern. Susan Northrup sidestepped all of that, claiming her agency isn't in charge of that. It's instead the Center for Death and Control, or uh, they call it the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC. That, she said, is the responsible agency for tracking and follow-up of suspected vaccine adverse events. And listen to this absolutely disgusting laugher. Oh, yeah, it's true. It's just one of those lies that has the Clintonian element of truth to it. Northrop said that pilots experiencing any medical issues are required to, quote, ground themselves, seek medical help, and thus basically end their career, and report any significant medical events, unquote. And here's the irony of that, folks. These are the very same pilots that didn't have the huevos to say no to the poison poke in the first place. 
And that's why they took the Zyklon B to begin with, even though a lot of them no doubt knew the regs and that it was prohibited. But hey, since the FAA isn't going to pay any attention to their own regs and my employer's going to do the dirty deed to me anyway, I guess I better just go along and hope I don't die and kill a whole lot of people in the process. So do you think that the ones that wanted to fly so badly that they were willing to kill themselves are now going to say, oops, I guess now that I have caused myself some severe medical problems, I'm going to quit flying? What do you think? Or maybe they'll just continue doing exactly what the FAA wants them to do, keep their blankety-blanking mouth shuts and put the flying public at risk. If this doesn't make you mad, again, I've said this for a long time now, but ultimately, aren't we getting to the point where it's obvious? Yeah, if it doesn't make you mad, you're not paying attention. Now, in fairness, one more comment on behalf of the pilots. Remember, the reason why it's called sudden adult death syndrome or sudden adult pilot death syndrome, in this case, more apt, is because the first symptom is often just keeling over, either unconscious or never to re-emerge into consciousness. And that makes it kind of tough to ground yourself beforehand, doesn't it? We'll be back with more right after Bob the break. back now to the second segment for this evening. I'm your host, Mark Call, and I can't help but think that the right way to kick this segment off wouldn't be with a look back at the furor surrounding Woody Harrelson's Saturday Night Live monologue, or at least one tiny piece of it over the weekend. Giving the hysteria surrounding it, wrote Tom Woods midweek, I assumed it had to be a full-throated attack on Big Brother and Big Pharma. So I did. I watched it. 95% was just normal comedy. Not much to note, but then Woody at the end seems to have departed from the official script and told a fanciful story about reading a movie script. Here we go. Okay, he said, so the movie goes like this. The biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes. And people can only come out if they take the cartel's drugs and keep taking them over and over. Well, he said, I threw the script away. I mean, who's going to believe that crazy idea? being forced to do drugs. He did everything but say, take the poison poke. And then as Woods notes, he had to diffuse even that bit of truth by saying, see, haha, I do that voluntarily, meaning take drugs, all day long. It's obvious enough the story is a reference to the COVID experience with the lockdowns and the mandates and, of course, the poison poke. But note that he even softens the blow by ending it with a joke about his own drug habit. But still, the fact that this little passage, which, for heaven's sake, obviously still has the ring of truth to it, managed to send the media into meltdown hysterics. Remember, he said, Harrelson is insinuating that the media are bought and paid for. And here's how they reacted. And he provides headline after headline. I'll read you just a few of them. The Rolling Stone. Woody Harrelson spreads anti-vax conspiracies during SNL monologue. The Daily Beast says almost the same thing, like they read the same script. Woody Harrelson spews anti-vax conspiracies, blah de blah The Huff Post. Woody Harrelson rambles about weed and anti-vax conspiracy and a variety. Harrelson's Saturday Night Live monologue makes COVID conspiracy jokes. 
Obviously, the left still has their playbook, folks, and they're still pushing the narrative, and they're still pushing the poison poke, too. Notice, says Tom Woods, the verb choices, spews, rambles, all intended to denigrate the speaker and, of course, conspiracy, the ultimate put-down for what they call the dumb people. Because they're not woke, but, hey, they still might speak gooder English. <laughs> and as Woods concludes, to my mind, Harrelson's wrong about 90% of the time. But at least when he gets it right, it tends to be, as in this case, about something fairly important. But good for him. He managed to make the kind of observation that hundreds of people in public life would be making if we still lived in a normal society. From there, I can't help but think that this next story fits. It comes courtesy of Jack Spencer, CNS News, Natural News and others has reprinted it. And it starts like this. No one does fear-mongering quite like Washington. So-called progressive lawmakers in what was once called the nation's capital are constantly screaming about the horrors of, well, you name it, folks, CO2 and methane and non-existent man-made global warming, a.k.a. climate change. They find gas and oil and environmental boogeymen under every bed and in every closet when it comes to things like gas and oil or stuff that you need to survive. Yet, when it comes to releasing tons of actual deadly hazardous chemicals, vinyl chloride, ethyl hexyl acrylate, and ethylene glycol, to be precise, over entire regions under the plume of an actual mushroom cloud by virtue of the so-called controlled release that wasn't, well, what do the so-called leaders have to say? Basically, nothing to see here. Move along. These are not the droids you're looking for. Go on home, breathe deep, and maybe get yourself some Dawn and do a little cleaning. We're monitoring the situation. Don't worry your pretty little heads about it. So far, all is good. Oh, yeah, and here your host has to note. Notice you haven't heard a peep from the moronic Greta Thunberg on this one either. How dare you? Under the best of situations, says the author, we'd be well off to be skeptical of Washington bureaucrats telling us we don't need to worry about the massive burning chemical plume of toxins rising over our neighborhoods. But, hey, these are not normal times. We're faced with an administration that tries to get people to believe the sky is falling every day, except, of course, when it really is. They tell us we're going to drown in the rising seas and that nearly every storm is because of our insistence on burning gas and oil. We know this is hyperbole at best or an outright lie in all likelihood. But when they start telling us that they're coming for our gas stoves because of some alleged environmental impact made up by Washington bureaucrats, it's time for everybody to take notice. And now they're telling you, ignore dioxins, phosgene, and things that are causing those animals and pets and fish to just float belly up or outright croak right there in your front yard. It won't hurt you, no. <laughs> and by the way, we're not going to come to your town. We'll just tell you from over here. And this is after we experience the lies, misdirections, and to put it mildly, sketchy proclamations, says the author, surrounding the COVID bioweapon. Truth is, Americans just don't know what to believe anymore. But you know what, folks? Here's the point that he is eventually going to get around to making, probably not quite as forcefully as I'm going to right now. We know who we shouldn't believe because your life depends on it. Next, let's ask the old joke setup question. Well, how bad is it? Answer, it's so bad that even leftist celebrities are coming out and telling us what we already knew a long time before they figured it out. And finally, even Congress is having to say, whoa, do you think just maybe the American people are going to wake up? Whoa, it's too late to get out ahead of this, but at least we better pretend we we're on the right team before it becomes obvious we allowed it to happen. All right, well, with all that on the table, let's tie up some loose ends and connect some dots here. Following that 30-second bit on Saturday Night Live, where he branded Big Pharma a cartel with a thinly veiled reference to the COVID bioweapon, the Ministry of Truth had a hissy fit. 
Actor Woody Harrelson says the headline from Steve Watson via Summit News, Zero Hedge, and others has doubled down. He actually had an interview with the New York Times where he warned things that Americans that have been paying attention figured out years ago. America is no longer a free country. Oh, yeah, and the COVID protocols that were forced down people's throats and into their arms are, quote, rather absurd. When asked what was absurd about those COVID protocols, Harrelson replied, the fact that they're still going on. And he added, let's just be done with this nonsense. It's not fair to the crews. He said, I don't have to wear the mask. Why should they? Why should they have to be vaccinated? How's that not up to the individual? Wow, he sounds like he's actually figured out that there was a constitution at one point. I shouldn't be talking about this. Uh, Makes me angry for the crew, he continued, the anarchist part of me. I don't feel we should have forced testing, forced masking, and forced vaccination. This is not a free country. Could it be, folks, that even the Hollywood left is actually starting to figure something out? And maybe that does help explain, at least in part, why Big Brother is starting to fess up and the media is so upset about it. Who knows? Maybe they'll even figure out that man-made global warming is nothing but a bunch of BS. Speaking of which, a midweek headline from the UK's Daily Mail. There are roofs collapsing everywhere, it says. Thousands of Californians are now running low on food and water as the dictator there... Gruesome Newsom declares a state of emergency in 13 counties after an historic winter storm. Probably, you can't help but think, with a bit of geoengineering help, can you say chemical nucleation? Has dumped seven feet of snow in places that don't normally get that much. It even snowed some in L.A. Some residents in San Bernardino County have been trapped in their homes. The National Guard has been deployed to clear roads and transport food. And Southern Californians are shocked, shocked, I tell you, to find that global warming may not be what they thought it was. I guess it's a good thing that the propagandists planned ahead and have them drinking the climate change Kool-Aid now instead. Oh, and by the way, folks, it's kind of interesting sometimes to see how the Daily Mail tries to spin or focus certain things. They have a headline up about the mother who lost her two sons to fentanyl poisoning and reacted scornfully to the Biden Fuhrer laughing at her tragedy. Because, ha-ha, the border invasion actually predates his having stolen the office. He pokes fun at Marjorie Taylor Greene for daring to blame him for the escalating and out-of-control border invasion, then says, A mom, a poor mother who lost two kids to fentanyl, that, that I killed her sons. Well, the interesting thing is, that fentanyl they took came during the last administration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so did the first few hundred thousand border invaders, but it's kind of gone out of control since then, right? Now, in fairness, this may have been the body double Biden Fuhrer as opposed to the real fake one because the earlobes aren't quite right. They don't seem to be dangly like the real Biden Fuhrer, but the pattern of mocking Americans, at least, is consistent. Hi, I'm Rebecca Kiesling. I'm the mother of Caleb, forever 20, and Kyler, forever 18, who lost their lives to fentanyl poisoning. On July 29th, 2020, along with 17-year-old Sophia Harris, I just testified yesterday before Congress about the deaths of my two sons to fentanyl poisoning at a um, hearing on the issues at the southern border. I'm shocked to see the video today. As the Biden Fuhrer poked fun at Marjorie Taylor Greene for what the grieving mom called a misstatement. She misspoke. Yes, her sons died about six months before he stole the office, but she said that's no excuse. And there have been failed policies from many administrations and from Congress for far too long, ever since there was a surge in 
drug deaths due to fentanyl, I believe mostly beginning around 2013. So this has been a problem for a long time. And then he went on, she said. About this mother who lost her two sons, he starts to laugh and says that, well, it turns out that they died before I ever even became president. Like, really? This is how you speak about the death of my sons? Because a congresswoman misspoke? You mock the loss of my sons? How dare you? What is the matter with you? Almost every Democrat on the committee offered me condolences. They at least had the decency to do that. You can't even do that. You have to mock my pain? And then what about the 22% increase in fentanyl deaths since you became president, since you changed your policy at the borders? That represents tens of thousands of U.S. citizens who died under your watch, an increase in tens of thousands, and that represents even double that number of the parents who are suffering. Are you going to keep laughing about those who did die under your watch? What's wrong with you? She went on to say this and pretty well nails it. I think that his behavior today speaks volumes, and it tells you where his heart is. But honestly, that part we've known for decades. But what all this emphasizes yet again is that there is something truly horribly, horribly wrong here, and everybody that's been watching knows it. This story may sound a bit different, but somehow I can't help but think it actually relates. It, too, comes from the Daily Mail, and it asks, why does Hershey's hate women? Yeah, I kid you not, folks. The story says that Hershey's Canadian brand has launched a campaign for International Women's Day in which they put a trans woman's face on their candy wrappers, and some people on social media are saying, hey, this is kind of disgusting, too, and suggesting that the iconic chocolate maker should be boycotted for their insensitivity, or worse. As one of the commenters put it, it's a real slap in the face to actual women, as is the Biden fear, of course, to actually elected presidents. But it does lead me to this next story, thanks to Jack Posobiec. Now, before I play this next clip, I want everybody to know this is a fake. Yes, it's a fake president. And yes, it's an AI creation as well. But hey, how do you know that isn't what you've been watching for at least two years now anyway? And that's the point. Credit to Jack Posobiec for doing an absolutely fabulous job of not only awakening Americans to the real truth of what's happening in the world, what is intended to happen in Ukraine, but also what's happening with AI and the threat that it poses on just about every level you can imagine, and no doubt a few that haven't become clear yet. But thanks, Jack, for at least helping on that score. And he picked a really great way to do it, too. Listen. The illegal Russian offensive has been swift, callous, and brutal. It's barbaric. Putin's illegal occupation of Kyiv and the impending Chinese blockade of Taiwan has created a two-front national security crisis that requires more troops than the volunteer military can supply. I have received guidance from General Milley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, that the recommended way forward will be to invoke the Selective Service Act, as is my authority as President. The first to be called in a sequence determined by national lottery will be men and women whose 20th birthday falls during calendar year 2023. 
Remember, you're not sending your sons and daughters to war. You're sending them to freedom. God bless our troops and God bless Ukraine. Now, yes, let me reiterate. What we just played was a fake. But, hey, if you've been paying attention, you knew that anyway. It's just that in this case, it was even more of a fake than usual. And if I have any criticism, it's that the real Biden would never have been able to get through a one-minute speech like that without at least a gaffe or two, even with a teleprompter. But it's every bit as good as what his body doubles might have done. And if you look closely, it even looks like the AI got the earlobes right on this deep fake. There's a lot more fallout today, finally, from one of the biggest lies in American history, at least, and one of the biggest acts of genocide in human history, in all likelihood. The Fauci, Deep State, Biden, Ukraine-connected, Wuhan, bioweapon, all the dots connect. The fact that the DOE is finally coming out and saying what everybody else knew for years now. Yep, yet another one of those conspiracy theories that did take a bit longer than six months before being acknowledged almost universally as fact. And now Senator Rand Paul has come out and really connected a few dots. We'll get to that story in just a minute. But I want to introduce it with this piece from Joe Hofton, the Gateway Pundit, about a number of doctors all the way back in January 2020 who told Fauci that the COVID-1984 bioweapon was, in fact, leaked from a lab. But an amazing thing then seemed to have happened. They got a bribe, or was it a grant, and switched their opinion after they spoke with Fauci, and they got millions in NIH funding. Says Hoff for TGP, Dr. Marty McCary shared some of the many reasons why it's obvious that COVID came from a lab in Wuhan during a House hearing on Tuesday. The GOP-led House Select Committee on the Coronavirus Plandemic, they spelled it wrong, allegedly at least investigating the COVID-19 pandemic, kicked off their first public event Tuesday, and three of the event's witnesses, Dr. J. Badakaria, Martin Kuldorf, and Marty McCary, were invited to testify at the hearing. But at least one of those seems to have a problem. McCary shared the obvious about the COVID vaccine being released from a lab in Wuhan, saying it's a no-brainer that it came from a lab. I mean, at this point, it's impossible to acquire any more information, and if you did, it would only be affirmative. Dr. Lawrence Sellen shared a tweet from Dr. McCary's testimony in front of Congress, which says, Explosive! McCary testified that two leading virologists, Michael Farzan, Scripps, and Robert Gary of Tulane, told Anthony Fauci that COVID-19 likely came from a lab, but then days later changed their own opinions after they just happened to receive nine million bucks in bribes, presumably from Fauci. And it may be worse than that, says TGP. The Gateway Pundit reported earlier on this same story that Cripps virologist Christian Anderson was also awarded over 16 million bucks in grants and funding after changing his stance on the COVID lab leak and speaking with none other than America's Dr. Mangala, Tony Fauci. This past week, it became common knowledge, as if it wasn't already, it's just that the media's been lying about it, that COVID-19 was created in a lab in Wuhan. And after years of reporting this fact, the waste-stream media has finally fessed up. Many doctors knew this, it says, but individuals like Fauci did their best to cover it up. So the next question is why it was released. And you have to ask, why now? The media obviously still has some catching up to do, or some CYA to get in place. This past week, TGP reported again on the possibility that the CCP dropped COVID because then-President Trump was destroying the Chinese economy with tariffs and policies that encouraged American companies to move their businesses out of China and back to the U.S. So China may have had to do something and decided to take down the whole world along with them. Says TGP, it's long past time that America deals with the seditionists who are working with our enemies to bring down the United States. And maybe, folks, that's still an understatement. From there, we go to Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, who appeared with Sean Hannity on Fox and was introduced with some clips of him and Fauci 
in which it became more than obvious that Fauci was lying through his teeth, committing perjury, and in fact, arguably working on genocide to boot. Although, of course, neither Fox nor the senator are quite willing to go that far yet, but we're getting there. So, ask what the senator thought about that. Here's his response. Without question, it may have been one of the greatest cover-ups in modern medical history. It will also get out in history as probably one of the worst decisions that any government bureaucrat ever made. When Anthony Fauci made the decision to fund dangerous gain-of-function research in Wuhan under the auspices of an authoritarian government, this decision was one of the worst decisions ever made. And there's been a cover-up ever since the very beginning. You can go back and see the emails between him and Francis Collins, who is head of NIH, them conspiring basically to cover this up. But now we have a mountain of evidence. The problem is much of it is classified. Well, the New York Times reported from the Department of Energy that their scientists now believe that this came from a lab is actually classified and somebody leaked it illegally. The host then went on to point out what we've said here literally since day one, and that is just about everything that the Center for Death and Control has come up with, along with Big Brother's other Fauci-run pseudoscience three-letter agencies, has not only been wrong, but dead wrong. I think they're trying to escape the culpability because ultimately Anthony Fauci's advocacy, he had to go outside the boundaries of the normal process. There's a committee that's supposed to review these dangerous viruses and see if the, the, the experiments are too risky and shouldn't happen. This didn't occur in the Wuhan experiments. Anthony Fauci gave a waiver. He was one of the few people in government who could give a waiver and said the research doesn't have to be reviewed by the committee. We're just going to let it happen. Now, of course, we've got the other recent evidence about Big Brother really does want people dead, the train derailment, and then the subsequent production of another bioweapon that was unleashed on Ohio and then managed to float over Pennsylvania and New York and wash downstream all the way into the not only Ohio River Basin, but the Mississippi. Should anybody still be uh, gullible enough to trust these so-called health protection agencies? And yeah, I rephrased it just a bit, but I do think it's important to hear the senator's response. No, and here's the problem. This is what the CDC currently tells you about COVID. If your 15-year-old has had COVID, they still want him to be vaccinated. If your 15-year-old boy has had COVID, they want him to be vaccinated, he gets vaccinated. Let's say he gets myocarditis, chest pain, goes to the hospital and has a heart ailment from the vaccine. Do you know what the CDC tells you? As soon as he's better, he should get another vaccine. No parent with any lick of common sense would allow their kid to be vaccinated after they've already had COVID and had myocarditis from the vaccine. But the CDC's recommendation is that your kid should get a second vaccine as soon as their heart is better. The vaccine caused him a heart inflammation, and the CDC tells you this. This is why nobody trusts the CDC, because no mom with any bit of common sense would ever subject their kid to another vaccination after they had a heart inflammation from the first one. This is how idiotic these people are and how moronic they have destroyed trust they are the yeah. ones that have destroyed trust in vaccines and everything else because they're really telling you stuff that's obviously not true and you shouldn't take that well there we go and i guess i'd have to add finally we follow that up with yet one more piece from the gateway pundit this time from christina Layla, and it has to do with a man well a traitor literally whose uh, hubris and whose shame knows no bounds and honestly in this regard he almost 
looks even worse than the Biden cure. I'm talking about the man who hates everything associated with the Bill of Rights and always has, as long as he's been darkening the halls of the once honorable institution, Chucky Schumer of New York, who on Wednesday demanded that Rupert Murdoch, who may or may not still run Fox, silence Tucker Carlson and any other Fox News hosts that aren't towing the line and parroting the narrative. Order Tucker Carlson and other hosts on Fox News to stop spreading the big lie, said the Chucky doll. Schumer and House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries sent Rupert Murdoch a letter demanding that he censor those hosts who actually still at least have a bit of a backbone and maybe a brain. Quote, as noted in your deposition released yesterday, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram, and other Fox News personalities knowingly, repeatedly, and dangerously endorsed and promoted what he laughably calls the big lie that Donald Trump won the 2020 presidential election. I'll let that sink in for a second, folks. Though you've acknowledged your regret in allowing this grave propaganda, (laughs) good grief, this guy really truly has no shame, and he doesn't think you have any intelligence. Allowing this grave propaganda to take place, your network hosts continue to promote, spew, oot, perpetuate election conspiracy theories to this day, said the Senate's uber-fascist in a letter to Rupert Murdoch referring to the Dominion lawsuit. And there, folks, is the primo example of lawfare writ large. Whereupon they complained about Speaker McCarthy's decision, how dare he, to give Tucker Carlson access to the January 6th tape that show the level of their own perfidy. Schumer and Jeffries demanded Tucker Carlson and others participate in a Mao struggle session and publicly apologize for saying words that they are not allowed to speak because Big Brother and those who run him don't approve of them. Quote, we demand that you direct Tucker Carlson and other hosts on your network to stop spreading false election narratives and admit on air. Yes, they must be publicly humiliated. Like Winston, I guess, they must love Big Brother. They were wrong to engage in such negligent behavior, wrote the guys who make Orwell blush. And here, folks, your host has to pause and say, gee, after all of that, what do you think is next? Let's see here. They lied about masks. They lied about the poison poke. They got caught covering up the fact that they, in fact, developed the Wuhan Fauci flu and then released it, although all of that hasn't quite come out yet. Well, what else is likely then on the near horizon? Yeah, how long until the waste stream is finally forced to realize what all of us have known for at least two full years now? The election really was a farce. So was the one after that. And it may have even been more obvious than the bioweapon. But on this score, they seem to be willing to pull out the nukes rather than finally admit the truth here. For reasons almost as obvious as the biggest election fraud in history itself. <laughs>